Who's I, Brock? Good morning, Brock. Uh, Good morning, Cameron of the United States. Uh, man, uh, uh, hold on. Mm. I'm at least half of this cup of coffee away from being functional for a podcast. Uh, good morning. It's a bit of a lead time, I guess. Good morning. <laughs> it's, not, it's not supposed to be. Uh, this is Cameron and Brock, our two people, the podcast in which Cameron and Brock are two people. Lately, it's been more of like an ideating podcast, I'd say. Mm. Well, I would say correct. Um, it's really a service that we provide the community at large. And, our, and, and uh, ourselves. <laughs> well, certainly most of these things, I believe, originate from our own desire for self-benefit. Uh, what, what, uh, by the way, what needs to be turned down? Um, let's see. I overheard. That's, that's easy. <clears throat> the boys decided all they ever wanted to do in life yesterday was sing through a microphone. Okay. So they were digging through the garage to find an old karaoke machine we had at some point. And they excitedly told me they'd found it and I needed to set it up for them. And they came out to find a much older stereo set with CD and cassette player that they mistook for a karaoke machine. And so instead of singing, they've just been um, turning on the radio as loud as possible and dancing around the living room. Uh, I mean, your garage sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, the fact that you could maybe find a karaoke machine if you looked hard enough, yeah. I was going to, well, yeah, not only the fact that you just have a karaoke machine around, despite, I mean, from my fairly well-rounded estimation, you don't really seem like a karaoke kind of guy. Um, (laughs) And uh, the fact that there's not only a karaoke machine, but like karaoke adjacent uh, machines as well is pretty cool. I, I, yeah, that it's just imagine any stereo system you had a decade and a half ago. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I know exactly the one. We had a um a good mid 90s like a uh, black like that sort of like not you know, things have trended back toward good solid sharp lines and like my soundbar box is just like a rec- a sharp rectangle with three little buttons on the front right it's very uh geometric and nice but we had a 90s uh sort of blobby uh stereo yeah, that that um that era where everything was if it w- even if it wasn't beige it was still uh devoid of any sort of sharp angles whatsoever um, and that thing, yeah, yeah, it had yeah, two, the, two cassettes uh, on the front. That's peak nineties. I I referenced the neon, the car, the neon mm-hmm. was peak bubble for the nineties. There's a uh, there's an old uh, I I want to say it might even be like a like a Christian youth series books or something where in uh, the the VR world. 
that that is t- takes place in whatever book this was. Uh, I, I every time I think of the neon, I think of this because the neon is the car that everyone is assigned to by default when they like sign up for you know in the, this world it's equivalent to like an AOL As a punishment. <laughs> it's, okay. No, it's like a you know you it's this is written. I want. I wish I could remember what this was, but. The, it feels like, uh, you know, you sign up for your 54 free hours of AOL or whatever, but in virtual for your virtual reality world and you get assigned like a generic avatar and you get assigned a gray neon. <laughs> That's brutal. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to need to know the title of that. I think I'm good. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it was like a um, young adult uh, thing. Anyway, not I. I mean, the uh, that era. Sooner or later, we're going to hit it again. Of course, it's like it's cyclically and do all. You, but do you find yourself shifting through the changes in aesthetic? Um, because they do, as odd as they seem, backwards looking. They do have their origins. They're usually just a reaction mm-hmm. away from the extreme push through another fad like you know straight lines and then the lines become so straight that there's just blocks and then somebody's like i got an idea we're gonna put curves on the edge of this block and then it goes from there i mean where are you falling when these things happen where uh where am i falling just in general Um, like where are you in on the curve you're designing a site i mean this is right in line with what you do. And, you know, they went from bubble buttons, like if we're going to stick with the bubble theme, to when they removed even borders on things where I couldn't see the menu bar from the main screen, and it's just (laughs) all big. Yeah. Yeah, Apple one day was like, actually, you know what? Text. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, that is, there. that there is a... Um, reason that that stuff trends. I think with uh, aesthetics like physical design, the trending is more arbitrary. Um, but I guess I don't know because I don't know a lot about machining. Uh, <laughs> but I or like industrial design. But I I do think that the um so the so with with websites, um, one of the things that a lot of people my age got into websites. Uh, for is because we not that we like were design geniuses or that we had like the best uh like the most visionary like ux uh that's user experience the most visionary ux solutions it was that we learned how to use photoshop really well um and like could approximate other design trends and like if you needed a bubble button um which for a while there, buttons were, like, especially, I would say, like, mid-2000s buttons, there were a lot of pieces to one of those buttons. Like, I even had a, uh, a, a like, a talk, yeah, like, 2000, no, yeah, that was a little bit later, like, 2011, but still, like, the, um, right before Apple just, like, pulled the rug out from under bubble buttons, uh, they were just making one of those that looked good and not like something that was on like a banner ad or like a used car site or something. Well, it took some nuance, right? <laughs> it was like 
there you would take a button or you take a rectangle you give it like a four to six pixel rounded corners um you have like a slight gradient on it but not a lot um so like lighter at the top darker at the bottom and then you've got uh usually a border but potentially also an inner shadow or instead of a border just a border along the bottom which gives the button a little bit of like height but you're talking like a one pixel thing right and then like you've got your uh if you really want to get fancy you got a glassy button which is when you take like a um a semi-transparent white rectangle across just the top half of the button which gives it like a sheen or you know if you want to get super fancy you like can like curve that sheen right like you curve it a little bit <laughs> and uh and then it's real shiny and then on top of that you got hover states so you got to make a hover you got maybe maybe that button should uh lighten slightly with like it uh when you hover over it or maybe like the um I need it to uh, look we need to I want the fanciness level pegged mm-hmm. so it needs to indent the, the oh, clear yeah. bubble needs to indent when I go over yeah, it. Yeah, those bubbles, man. The the um, you you got to move it a pixel down and get rid of the shadow when you click it, so it looks like it chunks, it's a, like clicks into the website. <laughs> um, and then you've got a disabled state, and like yeah. So there was like that extended. There's a, I think the, 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 there's just sort of an enthusiasm that comes along with a new. Um, ecosystem of tools that everyone doesn't really know how far they can go with it. And so they just push it to absurdity. And then they're like, okay, we know how this works now. Let's do something useful. Yeah, well, I guess like uh, I, so like Apple was like the kings of this, like the Apple website in the like um, mid, mid 2000s, like the nav at the top. It was this big gray bar, and you you clicked in on one of the things. It like sunk in. It was like <laughs> it went from being like a bar to like whatever active item was like way darker and had this big inner inner shadow on it, and it looked like it was an inch behind your computer monitor. You know, like <laughs> and uh, but there are there there are very like there are very material technical reasons that that stuff was popular. Like, because the way that you would do that, uh, all the button stuff, like, uh, eventually you could do it with CSS, but originally you'd have to do it in Photoshop. And um, that means that you, uh, well, if you go back far enough, you would have to make a button with the text in the button of the image, right? Because you you didn't, like, or you'd have to make sure all the text was, or it was, they were buttons were really wide so that you could fit text in there without the text overflowing the button image. And then later there were hacks, like you'd make a really, really, really wide button and then like set part of the button as the background of the thing and then like have an end cap part of your button that like simulated the end. Does that make sense? So it would like slide open and closed almost. Right. Uh, and then this makes me feel like there was a compatibility nightmare where everything looks good and then somebody tries to use an old version of IE right. or Firefox and it just looks like somebody murdered a bunch of buttons. Well, yeah, well, that was why you did the the PNG thing is to avoid the compatibility nightmare. Although um, you, when you use a bunch of images, then you would run into like uh, color handling where like blue didn't show up in the same way and 
uh, Firefox as it did in IE, uh, things like that. But then, like, yeah, later, you they were all these CSS properties that were really in, in, uh, consistently supported where, like, in IE, the buttons wouldn't be rounded because IE didn't support border radiuses. And, uh, but the, the, the other thing, so there were a bunch of reasons that those, that stuff was popular. And, like, some of it was just, like, Photoshop was there, <laughs> right? It was, like, available and kind of new. <laughs> So that was a new way to make things look different than like early internet where everything looked kind of tacky um, and low low res. And then the websites were fixed. They were just documents. Like you went to a site and you remember all the sites said like this site is best viewed at 1024 by 768. Right. And all right, like it was actually based on your screen resolution. Yeah, it was based on – well, it was based on, yeah, some um, – the fact that almost everyone had a 15 to 19 inch monitor that had between 1024 by 768. Well, excuse me. I had a 13 inch monitor back then. (laughs) Really? In like internet's times, like the mid two thousands. Um, no, mid two. No, I had a 13 inch to the late nineties. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I, I feel you somewhat. I had a 17 or I had a 19 inch flat panel that I bought for $650 in 2001 or two. And I remember that being real top of the line at the time. Um, mm-hmm. but like the, everyone was in basically looking at the same screen with slight variations. And so your website was just this like uh, thing that looked exactly the same. And so you can make these buttons that look exactly the same and you could um, arrange your whole website with all of these like uh, superfluous like graphics and stuff because the, the entire site was just like basically an image with, and the only thing that varied was like the lengths of words on the site, but everything else was based. It was basically a print magazine, but with dynamic words. It's Um, like a choose your own adventure old choose your own adventure game where it's basically just a sprite drawing oh. and some of the things are interactable. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Like everything was just, uh, and you'd make these really, uh, like there's certain things that are hopefully not too dry to talk about, but I think are very funny. Like you'd have to make, <laughs> because each of those buttons could specific, potentially be like a separate image file to download and browsers only download a handful of things at a time. So unless you want your site to take forever to download, you would make a sprite sheet, which like a giant one single image with all of the different button states, like open and closed and all the, the your fake button end caps to make your super long buttons and your what do you just like reference parts of it or something? Yeah, you'd you'd set the entire image as a background image for like everything that used it. So that maybe you have this image that's like eight hundred pixels square and it's got thirty icons and what like kind of tiled out on it on a grid. So you'd have mm-hmm. to go make like a twenty pixel like grid and then you would say like, okay, this you know this. This alert, this cart icon on my website is a background image that is just this sprite sheet that like 40 other things on the page are using. And then I'm going to set the background position to like eight. You'd have to set it to negative because of the way the background position works because you're setting it, you're like pulling the background position like left and top away from the, you know, to like center it on maybe your cart icons in the bottom right. <laughs> So you'd be like, uh, card background sprite sheet dot PNG minus three twenty minus 
260, like X and Y coordinates. And then you finished that and you were like, yeah, yeah. fist pump in an empty room. Oh, yeah. I, I could, well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait. Hey, I need a five. Can you give me five minutes? You? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, you're back. Uh, you I were, apologize. You were recording. Family duties. Oh, okay. I was. Okay, certainly. good. Because then I don't have to re-sync. Uh, yeah. The, cool. That's how I anticipated. Ooh. All right. Well, uh, where was I? So, um, shiny buttons. A very complicated sprite page oh. reference <laughs> sheet to get around old browser loading schemes. Mm-hmm. Oh jeez, those were the days. But so the um where I was eventually leading uh is that like so we were designing fixed width things, uh pages for basically print design which allowed uh you a bunch of trends at the time were like uh you know grungy like texture heavy websites and like all of this really elaborate aesthetic. Uh, um, like I did a site where uh, I like, it looked like a desk, right? Like there's like a pin in the corner, like a very physical looking uh, space where like the, the main part of the page is actually, I like scanned a, I may have drawn like graph paper and like the, so the, the content of the website was on the graph paper and there was other paper on the site. All this, crazy stuff. And, um, and now of course this, this, we've gone fully away from super graphics, heavy websites into grids and, uh, you know, three wide columns and, uh, there, and, and no more, uh, big fancy buttons and, and, uh, and things like that. And it, it, and I don't open Photoshop anymore. Like I open Photoshop for photos um, there's just no reason to, there's another tool called sketch. That's a little bit more shape oriented, like shape drawing oriented, but that's not really, uh, the thing that changed is that the websites have to be super flexible. And then there's also like more like code oriented reasons that things change, like, uh, the way that websites load and the frameworks that build them and things like that. So it's like the aesthetic shifted, but Really, the aesthetic isn't the thing that shifted. What shifted is the the tools that you use to make the thing changed, and the way the thing was consumed changed. Um, so it it feels. I wonder if that happens in other industries, and I just don't know about it. Like that, you're looking at it, and you're like, oh, you know, stereos got were sharp, and then they got blobby. But like maybe there's supply chain or reasons or maybe there's like material design reasons or stuff that that stuff actually changes. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I definitely – I did assume that. I'll say a specific example. So we've talked about bubble cars. Right. Um, so in the 90s, there was a Mustang that – I don't remember what year it was. 90, a 92 Mustang. I want to say it was right. the 92 Mustang. Right. And it was sort of a departure from the shape of the Mustang. And at, well, not exactly, but it was very rounded and bubbly. Look. And it was, it, it seemed 
futuristic at that point. For a second and, there, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I yeah. I mean, it's still mildly popular in some groups, I guess. You know, there's well, wait a minute. But are you talking like the the real the one that looks like it's melting, or the one yeah. directly after that that looks like a MIG? The one that's like because it went from being there. There was the one with the like little air intake things on the side, and then the one after that is like twice as tall. It looks like a bathtub. And it got a little, little pointy again. It's got these big, tall intakes. I think you mean the former. Yeah, no, it's the it's the melty one melty that one. was actually pretty low profile. Yeah, um, and it, there it was, and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." And then they released the next one you were talking about, and it was clear that they they made it much more angular, and they embedded the lines in the paneling of the car, and. I thought not only did they move away from the bubble aesthetic, which I thought didn't age very well, <laughs> but it looked distinctly like they had something they could do that wasn't a possible in manufacturing before, or at least not uh, cost-effective to try um, yeah. as far as the design. And I thought, hmm, you know, I bet it's a combo there. Yeah, um exactly. Like the the reason that uh the you know the the reason that uh borders went away on buttons was a com- was basically a combination of like um having to make websites work all the way down to the, your phone and also like like that's why like Apple eventually pulled the plug on that because there's not that much room on a f- those little phones and like they if you don't have to provide space like in the title bar if you don't have to provide space next to the button and then space inside the button to keep the words off the edge of the button you're sacrificing like 40 pixels of precious you know like horizontal space uh, that could be taken up by like by text um and like apple's buttons in the original iphone are insanely like i've had i've had to uh early on with app design you there was no access to those specific buttons. You had to make your own. So I had to basically redraw those things. And there's a lot of pieces, a lot of moving pieces to those buttons. So like, yeah, they made this like dramatic aesthetic shift, but it was also um, very, probably very driven by like, you know, avoiding technical limitations. Um, And then like, uh, oh, I had some other example. Um, but yeah, I mean, the responsiveness, which is, you know, uh, fluidness of a design to work on your phone and the, the framework stuff, where was I going? Um, hmm. well, I can at least say that at this point with technology manufacturing, um, certainly in the computer realm, Um, it's just strictly indicting of any kind of company or person who puts forward a product that looks wonky and just clunky. You don't have to, and it's not that hard. Oh, what do you mean? Like something look passable design wise. Well, we've gotten really, uh, uh, sort of pragmatic about like, uh, uh, aesthetics and stuff like that. But there's so many like, Oh, I was going to get into like internationalization and stuff like that. Like the, 
uh, not only is the website different widths, but like our website that we work on is rendered in like five different languages. And so you have all of this, all of these like moving parts to the, the a particular page, which requires a completely different approach to like how the, the CSS is handled. Like, Oh, this, this line might be one word long or it might be six words long or whatever. Um, so yeah, you're, you're the, your approach has to be totally different. And, uh, and in what's left on by the wayside is like actual, um, is, is like anything superfluous kind of at all. Um, like our main button on the site is like basically either a, like a border and like a white text and a colored background or colored text and a white background. And that's pretty much it. Um, all of the, all of the, you know, like you're not putting up like a texture. Textures are like gone from websites in general, things like that. I like a good tiled texture, Cam. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if making uh, textures that looked mildly physical with like a, um, a good repeating grain <laughs> that didn't like look repeating was that was a, that was another skill set that's sort of dead to time. Um, no, I liked the tiled textures that the tile was you know just like 20 by 20 pixels and it was uh, clearly a, a, a horrifying eye distracting mob oh, yeah. of lines well like uh photoshop's default texture is still some gar- garbage like, or as of i don't know the, a year ago when i looked it was still it's still like these purple bubble texture that's from like the early 2000s late 90s and they've just never changed it it's very strange but like there i think there's there's so many other things that might have changed right like it's not just uh, like you were saying, they maybe they figured out a way to do like sharper lines or something. Because I don't know how you make a car door, right? Like, I, if it's like it's probably cast, but so you probably are at some point modeling a cast, and um, there might have been something that changed in, like maybe in the '90s, CAD software got better, and so it was easier to sculpt rounded angles. You know what I mean? They, use, they they would use clay, giant clay. Oh, so it, it wasn't even they CAD. May still, I mean, to some degree, yeah. I mean, I know that they use CAD, but in the car design specifically, they they use one to one clay models of these cars to design them. Oh, so so the <laughs> they certainly did the like uh, Hyundai commercial or whatever I've seen of, with of like a dude like running his. Running his hand yeah, and you're and like, why the, the heck car? is he doing a giant sculpture? Of I the thought car? that, was, that fictionalized. was actually a design process. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Well, it, it, there has to be. I mean, there's always progress, and I think sometimes it's not that it's impossible. Obviously, you could make anything once, but it is. At what point does? a design tool become cost effective for a profitable mass producing business. And then you see things pop out like that. We benefit, I see the benefit in myself here. So the classic shift to quote web 2.0, when people say that all I think, and maybe this isn't even what they mean, but all I think is, Oh, Things sort of work the way I anticipate them to 
and it's not totally wonky. <laughs> what do you mean like a, a Web 2.0? To me, Web 2.0 means like I can make an account on the website instead of go to the next one in the web ring or something. But I, Yeah, maybe that's all tied into, you, from a user's perspective, the experience of interacting with it. Yeah, you, because, I think you mean like Ajax, right? like the pieces on the site like refresh without the entire page changing. Maybe? It's a lot of it. I mean, okay. okay, so for instance, and again, I'm just using it as my own definition, so I'll be more specific. <laughs> just um, uh, where buttons, first of all, it must be that either with experience or ease of design, where they're not having to take so much time doing the absurd sprite sh- spreadsheet layout and they can spend more of their brain time on how would this be convenient to use and combine that with the idea that you go over a menu button and it it quickly and easily drops sub-menus that are, uh, you know, usable. And it's not some kind of labyrinth. It's just like you click that and it opens up a new thing that has usable buttons. And you're not thinking about it. It's intuitive, quick, it's useful, Um there was a definite shift to that where you didn't have to know how to use a website. There just started being websites that were like, okay, you know, like I'll just do the thing that this is for real quick. Yeah. Um, there's so many pieces to that. It's very weird in retrospect. Like, uh, it felt like there was a critical mass though at some point. Yeah. Well, well, uh, it, so there, there's been like a number of sh- of shifts, but it's like a it's a shift of like technology in the sense that like the software changes. It's a there's a shift of like what the browser can consistently do and like techniques that became more useful or like support level for things like what you're describing, like a JavaScript like dropdown. There was. Um, it became a lot easier to do that kind of stuff eventually once like the JavaScript part of that standardized and things like that. Um, so you've got like, and then also the conversation changed and like people started talking about design differently. Like originally the design, like you were basically there to make the website look awesome. You were just like, it was, it reminds me of uh, video game menus are like this, like old video game menus tend to be like completely insane looking because they're, they were mainly there to look sweet. There wasn't like a lot of the, the idea of like, how do we organize this menu for maximum usability? Wasn't really that there wasn't that much to do either. Well, so there, there was sometimes a there was buttons. right. Like sometimes there was though, like an RPG or something. There might be like a lot of stuff going on. Like early Fallout games have an excruciating menu system where you can only see like three things at a time as you scroll through the menu and things like that. Um, well, I always took that as its own challenge. It was a built-in <laughs> skill that you had to level up during the gameplay that was a real-life level up, where you got used to these insane uh, menu systems. Well, if you want to get kind of morose about it, you could probably make some claim that like websites didn't originally... There was a lot of exploration going on when you visited a website. Like It didn't need... It didn't... like. Uh, 
have those standards like you didn't know how to use it but that was part of the like interesting part of visiting a new website was like seeing the ideas that it had Um, we've gone or intentionally obfuscating design which i feel is adopted by some of the trendy apps these days and by trendy apps, I mean things oh, you mean that like Snapchat are like a stuff? decade old now. Yeah. yeah, Snapchat, where they intentionally um, make it that you sort of have to know what's going on to use the app. Well, Snapchat is weird because they they um, what they did is they made everything really fast. Like it's actually, and Instagram is using some of those some of those uh, techniques where Apple was in general your phone or it used to be anyway that ios was like very easy to use it was like the buttons were very consistent they have a very strict style guide that they mostly ignore um now and then snapchat basically removed all of that in favor of like being able to flick your thumb around to switch screens so if you know what direction to flick you can get around snapchat insanely fast without having to move your hand at all and it's really cool um, but yeah, there's there's like a learning curve there. Uh, yeah, I get an average of two wrong directions yeah. before it goes the right way, so that's fine. Yeah, it's it, but we're, on the we're too um, old for it anyway. <laughs> on an Android phone, as I currently use, it has the most magical design aspect ever conceived or done away with, which is the back button. Oh yeah, yeah, the physical back. I button. I love the back button. Well, physical or persistent. Mm-hmm. software back button whatever you want yeah no uh, the new iphones don't even have a button <laughs> so i don't know how that i actually haven't used one like twice i feel a shift <clears throat> we've gone peak buttonless swipey so within a decade mark my words there will be phones with those giant metal toggle switches some clicky <laughs> all dials <laughs> all buttons and switches <laughs> yeah man a physical button that sort of lights up maybe one with a cover that you have to flip up in case Ooh, man i like a good i like a good physical button they, they don't exist like in the 90s and i think that this goes into like the uh all of the other aspects uh like the uh the like parts sourcing and like eventually what you're actually talking about is what parts are available in other countries, like how Apple and Samsung basically have to, you know, fight over vendors and you can like sometimes figure out that there's a new product coming based on like, uh, you know, screen material orders or like, or, or display technology shifts or supply ups and downs or whatever. Like, I don't know how many uh trend I don't think I don't think it's knowable how many trends are actually driven by technology because they end up what happens is you end up with this feedback loop where eventually a trend an aesthetic trend takes place because somebody took some new thing and did it correctly or like they did it in a way that fully takes advantage of that new thing and then what people think they're following a, an aesthetic trend but what they're really following is someplace that they would have ended up having to get to anyway um, by virtue of like tools shifting or the like uh, technology shifting under their feet or whatever. Um, But like all of that kind of happens in concert, but you can definitely look at it and say like, um, you know, it wasn't that the internet became responsive because people started making designs that were more fluid. And someone's like, wait a minute, 
what if we use this design on phones? Like the trend went toward minimalism because uh, designers had to, had to <laughs> like it became necessary. Um, and also like uh, there at some point, people stopped using Photoshop. Like people, like Photoshop costs like $2,000, you know? So like the, the unavailability of Photoshop, I think also contributed toward uh, design shifting where sketch showed up and it costs like $80 and it does. And so you could see designs where you're like, Oh, it looks like the people who made this didn't want to spring for Photoshop. And also they, you know, they use this or that web framework and the result ends up yeah. looking kind of samey. But like also sameness is good because now you generally know how to use it's every website. Yeah. yeah. I, I, it's well, weird. And I do think that that's certainly an aspect. And it is also the ease of which you can do basic functional stuff. Now, you know, there's this templated web creation that doesn't look so terrible. It just works like every other site. And unless your site is supposed to specifically impress or you have a real team of people who are going to make it as usable but custom, which is probably more along the lines of what you do. Um, The Internet, I think there's something to do with the Internet being so um, sort of ingrained in how we now access things. Everyone has access to it. Everything is accessed through it that you don't you're not looking for anything other than doing something there and so you've stopped looking at it like some kind of impressive brick and mortar store where you you care about that you go there to take the action you know and so i think that like it's just what you're saying is that it samey isn't bad if it's functional anymore because it's it's more of a a, a a function that you're trying to do at this point. Well, and the it's harder than it was because what you're building now is not a uh, it's not a page. It's not welcome to my page, and then you like drop in a different image, and the text changes, and the page looks the same. It's like a, a system. Like even the even you know a Squarespace website has a lot going on. And if you were to replicate that and make it work with the menu dropping open on mobile without it breaking and like all of the other different widths and stuff like that takes a like a fair amount of technical know-how and like that it it doesn't require that you um, you you make it look good once you have to make you have to like construct a, a, a system of markup like even for even like the most basic website. Um, and like that, and some, some people like will have like cried woe over that. Like there's an entire generation of designers that will, that I've read a number of think pieces on medium or Mm -hmm. where, whatever think pieces. And they'll, they, uh, they complain that the web is like samey and then that, that, um, it used to be so easy to make a website and now in order to make a website they have to update 50 javascript packages and uh you know they're like what happened to the css zen garden which the css zen garden was an old website where you could um like look at different ways that it was skinned so you want the whole website to be like smooth and glowy or you want it to have be like grassy and sunny in there you know it was this like very like uh 
like ooh, this very precious sort of like oh i you know i crafted this this static with the website to look this specific theme or whatever and yeah it was cool at the time but like the convers like you were saying like the conversation was or the wasn't about like uh how to make this like this thing like predictable and usable um and like the css zen garden is cute but like we also only accessed websites on 13 to 19 inch monitors like you, it, it, there is there is necessary complexity to uh, of websites now. Like some of it is absurd. Uh, like their JavaScript is a whole thing that's probably too much for this podcast. Um, and like, yeah. <laughs> but I mean the 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 aesthetic changes have been necessary. And like, I, I'm not. I don't have a ton of patience for the designer bemoaning the simpler older well i think that we both are fairly familiar with the ability for people to take two different views on the same event which is pessimism or forward-looking positivity (laughs) yeah actually this uh, now that you mentioned i guess I'm, i'm normally not that side of it um but like in terms of like uh, in terms of the way that the web actually works, I'm I'm generally an optimist, uh, and like I'm all for the changes that have been taking place, uh, and I'm very I'm I'm not one of and I have I, like I said I do not really have the patience for designers my age or a little bit older who feel like the golden era is gone because that just sounds to right. me like they couldn't keep up with it's fun CSS. to reminisce and complain a little bit sure no i, I the miss truth the truth is yeah. that you take the progress and then look for the next area where you can use that same um, creative energy to make a um personalized experience you know ongoing or not experience that sounds super markety but basically <laughs> look for the next area where you can use that same energy you miss using and do something new with it and that's hard because you got to figure it out it may not be apparent you know it might not be there yet whatever yeah and i think a lot of people like you 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 end up leveling up in a certain area and then eventually feel like you shouldn't that you should be finished like that you should be an expert oh, yeah. now and uh and specifically with with the web that never happens uh and like i there are people i'm sure there like there are des- entire position names that i have come and gone over the years like <laughs> like <laughs> ux ui designer was a thing that people said for a long time and like those rules still exist and like they're sort of called that, but like product designer is what it's generally called now. But like that as sort of coming out of favor because that doesn't like give you any indication of like what the person actually does, which was kind of the so point for at, a while. So at your age, um, the, the advanced age of 34. Yeah. And if you don't want that information out there, you can blur I'll, I'll that bleep it. The yeah. Okay. Um, are you the elder statesman in these um, situations generally now? Um, a little bit. Like I, uh, I, I feel like um, similarly, and we could probably spend a whole podcast talking about this sometime. But similarly to how I feel about the Generation X Y split, like the 
pre like I'm old enough to um, remember when we got our first modem, but young enough to be in college when like Facebook launched and things like that. Like I feel like there are web designers or like designers older than me that like have completely fallen off of web design and, and bemoaned the CSS Zen garden days. Um, but I'm like, I'm also like, there are people, there are people my younger than me who have aged into like, uh, roles that don't involve actually coding anymore, or even designing, right? Like there's, you know, there's plenty of room inside of the expertise right. to that's not probably making things. Probably easier path. I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard in its own way. I don't want to like discount. Any no, things. easier. Yeah, easier might be too dismissive. Ba- right. Basically, there's a certain specific effort you have to put in to continue doing something uh, involved. But if you take the path towards whatever supervisory etc it's not easier yeah it's just a different work yeah i mean i think there's there's paths into supervisory roles or like management but there's also paths into like um research-based design like there's paths into things that are not uh a trade like i i programming is a trade um i think uh, and I've, I've not, I've stole that from another podcast, but like even like design in the sense of like someone using sketch or using Photoshop, like that's, and what in the past I've heard called like production design, which I, um, that, that I feel like is really downplays how important that type that, like that part of design is. Um, and like design's weird. Like I said, it's, it's changed the, the even like the role names have changed so much, but there was a a time where like a bigger company, and this still applies, I guess. I I never worked at a company where that was big enough to have it be like this. But you'd have like your art director, and they would just be like, "Be make it blue, you and blue," and like they would sign off on something, and then you've got your I don't know. There's probably like a design director role or something that makes decisions about how the thing should interact maybe delivers like wireframes and then you like way on down the chain you've got production designer and that's the person who actually makes the psds the photoshop files <coughs> and then uh and then maybe somebody else is actually taking the photoshop file and converting it to html or if you're a particularly um hollow uh art uh, ad agency you're actually sending their PSDs to a service and someone in the Ukraine is turning them into CSS. Um, Oh, those Ukrainians. (laughs) But like there, there's like, you know, um, all of these different roles that are sort of arbitrary and then I'll, I'll end up having to change. But I'm, I mean, I'm, I guess elder statesman E in the sense that I'm like leading product design. Uh, but like, I'm also writing a lot of code every day. Um, like there, mm. there is a notion of like a, uh, not a manager, but like a technical leader, technical lead, I guess is what, you know. Yeah. We you know? have that in, in my line of work, uh, right. technical lead. That's where people, and it tends to be the people who like doing the technical work a lot and are competent and don't age into, um, the supervisory role and uh, they're sort of constantly absorbing and staying in the middle of how everything has to work. <laughs> and so they get promoted as tech lead. Right. And they're the, the, and we don't, 
There's not a lot of man, like middle management in our area. It's more like there's a there are product managers who are in charge of like prioritization and, and tasks. I, and I stuff. would prefer to be your version of the art director, yeah. which was if I could just the make it blue the guy. Quote, yeah, make it blue, <laughs> dude. Man, that's a thing though. And like I've <laughs> I've always been I've always been really cynical about the the because all this stuff shifts underfoot so fast. Like you can, your aesthetic t- like decisions, uh, if they are not informed by how things actually work can end up either being like flat wrong or just looking really dated really fast. Like the internet, can I, you know what I mean? Can like, I be even more vague as the director where I don't even say blue. I say, mm, make it more intense. Oh yeah. You could, uh. Hmm. You can make it just pop. a vague word. Make right. it more hungry, and you're like, "What?" I worked with a client one time that uh, used the word "holistic" in almost every conversation. <laughs> um, I don't know if that blue is holistic enough. <laughs> so, what you're going to need to do if you're if you're going to um, you need to if, if to be kind of the perfect art director uh, candidate for you need to combine in like a, excessive amounts of vagueness with extreme nitpicking kind of at the same time. So like in this, I, well, it's a, uh, okay. So this is a perfect, and this doesn't even have to be art director. I'm uh-huh. immediately following part of this, which is that uh, vagueness, you can't pin down how much someone knows when they're vague. Right. And then hyper specific nitpicking is, Offense is better than defense. If you're always nitpicking random details, which you can see and pick out random things, then people are always defending against you. Thus, you become someone who may know a lot but never has to defend what they know. Right. And when you're nitpicking, the implication is that you have already seen the forest. And now, like you 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 are you have made your holistic grand sweeping statements. And you mm-hmm. you describe the website as uh, toothsome, um, mm, and uh, I like that, and uh, loamy, uh, and now you're you're with a hint of pencil shaving. Yeah, it's just a hint, and like you're you've you've uh, you know you've not brought a notebook. Uh, maybe maybe you uh, have someone there with a notebook for you. Mm-hmm. All right, and like you can't be troubled. <laughs> <laughs> but like they're you're gonna nod at them and they're gonna furiously scribble something down um and uh either they can be in on it or honestly like you know you you manipulating your own staff is kind of that's another layer to this character uh mm-hmm. that you're gonna need to create because again this is not in any way a skill-based position and uh, no other, but there's a skill to creating this character right in itself yes uh it's not a it's not a trade so much as uh, as your performance, yeah, performance art. Um, so you're gonna need to um, you, you once you've finished uh kind of drawing from uh words that are two or three degrees removed from words that would apply to the thing that you're talking about. Um, then you're gonna need to pick. Uh, you're gonna need to just adjust something. Like you're gonna you're like this former client that I had. The they use the word holistic a lot. Um, to the point that I started to worry that they didn't know what it meant or didn't have any other words. <laughs> um, and then they're also going to use it 
in relationship to making sure that the font size of the heading of the sidebar is the same size as the font size of the main column. Um, and if they were, did, maybe, did they mean some kind of perverse consistency when mm-hmm. they say holistic? Yeah, holistic means like uh, every part of something, right? Like a um, a, a holistic uh, design. It would be a design that a system that applies to all parts of of the design. I think that's right. Anyway, well, I b- I believe that's what one would mean if they used holistic. Uh-huh. But this particular hypothetical slash real person <laughs> was using it more like. Um, make sure that things are the same everywhere. <laughs> right. Well, make sure it was a really kind of beautiful, uh, sort of confluence of, and this is, this is, this is the uh, note you need to hit, but you need to do a lot better than, than this guy did, which is okay. dramatically sweepingly broad, but then a tiny, like pixel adjustment. And then sort of the end cap is that the pixel adjustment that, is uh, somewhere in the realm of arbitrary to actually measurably wrong, like the wrong decision. Look, we need a strong element of the art director works in mysterious ways. Yeah, it, it's almost re- religious at this point. Well, if you if if look if it was the obvious right decision, then like what are you even there for? Anyone could have done that, right? Yeah, it has to be a decision that someone wouldn't have already made. And since we clearly are not as skilled as the people we're trying to direct, no, any you kind the, of, you haven't touched actual. a website in 15 years in this scenario. Like you're, you're, you're no. Yeah. And it's questionable whether you, you got this position where you aged out of doing it or you never had the skill. Mm. You may accidentally do something right from time to time. And if you can hit that at about a 5% rate, That'll keep you going because people can't – people have that nagging feeling. They're like, this guy's an idiot. But they have that nagging feeling that maybe that they're either right or so far below your level that they shouldn't be questioning you. All right. So the the thing is that – yeah. The, so you've got to construct a, your this, this current reality. Uh, you've got to – keep people guessing from the ultra broad to the ultra specific, um, which, which kind of fills in the middle for you, right? Like if you say like, Oh, the, the, this whole, you know, the site's feeling very, uh, very Azure and then, but there's nothing blue on the screen. So people know that you mean like emotionally Azure, right? Right. And then you are, then you're too direct. Yeah. And then you're also like, Oh, that line there, is that, is that a two, two pixel border? And the other person says, like, yeah, yes, and then you, you say, oh, oh, and then your assistant scribbles something. And then you say, oh, well, I, I guess I could work. Yeah, or, mm-hmm. or, you, or you ask them to change it, or you tell them, you know, you, you um, tell them that, you know, they are the, uh, you know, a wonderful. Or when, they, <laughs> or when they ask you something too specific in response that you clearly don't know how to respond to in a convincing way, you put the onus on them and you say something like, well, I think you're following my meaning here, Mm -hmm. but very much like if they're not, they asking a second time risks them being ostracized in the group. I mean, the, another valid technique I've seen deployed is, uh, you just ignore them and say whatever you're going to say anyway. Um, bold. Yeah. So you, um, and, but like why the, this, this current you, 
they're they're listening and they're they're filling in the gaps. They're thinking that like you know everything about the website from Azure down to two pixels. When in reality, those are the only two things you know, uh, and you don't even know those. But the implication is that you've already looked at everything, and this was the tiny thing that you need to move to make this thing yours, quote unquote. Even though you you know your involvement in this is you know build very highly and by the hour um and uh incredibly and, and uh but you also you're gonna need some sort of a uh, like a um built-in reputation because like you didn't get here by the by the sweat of your brow you got here because something you did uh 15 to 20 years ago uh became insanely popular for um some reason that's you're, gonna lost time. A, <clears throat> you're gonna need a or if, if failing that if you weren't involved in anything like that, and you have a couple things here, you could have done something that just sort of fell into fame, or you could have been the intern on something that was important so long ago that nobody has hard evidence that you weren't a major contributor. Right. And then the third combo here is that your confidant note scribbler performance artist also seeds subtle rumors around the office of things you may or may not have been involved in Mm -hmm. um, and sort of builds this uh, legend, if you will. Mm. Yes. The, the, uh, the, and maybe, I mean, at at this point I'm picturing uh, like a Carl Lagerfeld type character. You've got giant, you, maybe you've got a cane. Uh, Maybe you've affected an accent. You need, yeah, you need one eccentricity, uh, two at the most. It becomes too clearly a performance past that level. Um, but something that it's hard to question, certainly, yeah. that seems natural. I mean, if you I mean, want... This is performance. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's its own skill. I have some vague respect for this person all of a sudden. <laughs> well, the, uh, I mean, if you want to go full dot com with it, instead of looking like Carl Lagerfeld, you're just going to look like a guy. You're going to need a, uh, you're going to need a, uh, Patagonia, uh, uh, mock turtleneck and some toms. And, and you're just going to look like someone found you in a target and sort of brought you in. Right. And um, then it's like, well, this guy looks, that's what Maybe the, that's the investor on the outs, yeah. but he may have so much money yeah. in so much fame that he stopped caring. Oh yeah. I think that the, the new, uh, rich eccentric person is the rich person who is, uh, has no idea of the grotesquerie of their, their fortune anymore. But you said I could use an accent. Mm-hmm.